Welcome to the Salem Fields Community Church Podcast of the Weekly Message. We hope that you find this podcast personally helpful, and we also encourage you to share the subscription link found at salemfields.com slash podcast with your friends that might be able to use some practical advice and encouragement. Wow, fighting, turmoil, attraction, confusion, bad judgments, reconciliation makes a marriage relationship one of the most complicated of all relationships. You know, relationships are complicated, but the marriage relationship... Man, it's something about saying I do that just makes everything more complicated. So where did all this start? Anyway, who's, uh, whose fault is it uh, when it comes to uh, this complicated relationship? Well, it's God's fault. Really, marriage was his idea. Jesus quotes the book of Genesis in Matthew 19, 5 and 6, where he shows us it all started with a man and a woman who were living in paradise and uh, Adam was living in paradise, and the Lord looked at him and said, man, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he said, he created a woman, and he said, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but instead they are one. Now, that's complicated enough, isn't it? I mean, when you read that passage of Scripture, it says that, that the mother will uh, be united to his wife, and the two will be, or leave their mother and father, and two will become United to his wife, the two will become one flesh, and they are no longer two, but instead they are one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So today I want to talk to you uh, about the dating game. You know, after all, if your relationship gets off on the wrong foot while we're dating, uh, your marriage will be in trouble from the very beginning. So how do we find the right person? Now that's a million-dollar question. Uh, that uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about this week. But let me start today by just doing a little survey. How many of you are married? Wow, a lot of you are married. Cool. Uh, how, how many of you are single and would love to meet the right one? How many of you there? All right. God help you. Uh, <laughs> how, how many of you have kids that will be dating soon or they're now dating? Just raise your hand. Ooh, God really, really help you. You see, have you ever heard someone uh, talk about, uh, the, you ever heard someone talk who has met the right one? You know, uh, the girl comes and she says, oh, 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 you're not going to believe it. I met the perfect guy. He's so awesome. You know, what's so funny is how fast the right one can become the one that drives you crazy. She meets Mr. Perfect, and six months later, she files a restraining order against Mr. Perfect. I see it all the time. It happens every day. You know, a a gal meets the perfect guy, and she she talks about their first date. She's with all of her friends. She said, oh, we went out with my friends, and he was so cute. He was telling jokes that nobody laughed at. I mean, it was so cute. He did this cute little burp, uh, and and it sounded so cute, and then I went over to his apartment, and, and his socks and his underwear were all over the house. How cute. He just needs somebody to help him out. It's funny how that is. He's the right one. Fast forward a year later, and you marry Mr. Perfect, and a, and a year later, you say, I'm sick and tired of your stupid jokes. Nobody thinks you're funny. You're embarrassing me all the time. I'm so so sick and tired of you sitting around the house and burping and farting all the time and your underwear laying all over the house. I'm just sick of it. Isn't it amazing how fast that person that was the right one all of a sudden is the one that's going to drive you insane? So how in the world do you find, or how in the world do you know when you find the right one? I want to be honest with you. I am so glad that I am not in the dating scene anymore. I mean, I am, I, I, I was really, really bad at dating. I, I, I mean, I was really bad at dating. I can't imagine doing that all over again. You know, uh, Gay and I, you know, uh, I lived in a little town called Kieseltown, and I was a, an original there, you know. I was a citizen, and Gay's mom moved out to Kieseltown when I was about 19 years old, and they bought a little house about a quarter of a mile from our house, and the first time I saw Gay, we were down at the Kieseltown store. Now, the Kieseltown store was, you don't have those anymore. It had a pinball machine in it. They made bologna and cheese sandwiches, and all had the big porch, and all those guys hung out there. And, I, and I'll never forget the day Gay rode by in her mom's 1972 white Malibu. I said, my God. Goodness, look at that girl. 
I told the guys there, I said, y'all leave her alone. She is mine. I, I'm going to date that girl. I'm going to marry that woman. I told the guys that. And so um, I did what every smart guy does. You know, I got to know her gay's little sister because she was best friends with my little sister. And so I'm buttering her up, you know. And, I, and I'm getting to be really good friends with her little sister. And I said to Joy one day, I said, Joy, I want to go out on a date with your sister. You think she'll go? And she said, yeah, she'll go. She said, I'll set it all up for you. I said, all right. I said, man, I have struck gold, you know. And so I get the nerve up and I call her, ring, 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 and Gay answers the phone. I said, hey, Gay, this is Buddy. I live down the street. And she knew me because I robbed our house about 200 times a day. You know, I turn around at her house and I say, she's going to look out the window and see me and she's going to follow me because she's going to want me bad because she's seen me, you know. Well, that didn't work. So I call her up for this date and she says, uh, well, uh, mm, uh, uh, I think about it. I'll let you know tomorrow. Call me back tomorrow. I said, okay. And, uh, I mean, I got I thought, man, how can she resist, you know? So sure enough, bright guy like I am, ring, 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 call her up the next day. I said, what do you think? She said, uh, well, I reckon I'll go. So we went out on a date, and I said, uh, she said to me later, I found out the only reason she went out with me because nobody else asked her out that night. She had nothing else to do. Can you imagine that? that? I was a second choice or something. But anyway, so we got, we started dating. And I mean, we had fun. I mean, our dating life could be described in one word, fun and party, fun and party. I mean, we never talked about anything serious. I mean, we never talked about anything that mattered much. Well, we'd pick her up, we'd say, what are we going to do tonight? And, you know, we did, I mean, we had fun. And we were doing all that stuff. And one day, Gay called me up. She's working at Kmart. She was assistant manager at the Sporting Goods, and she was at work at Kmart. And she called me up, and she said to me, she said, buddy, you want to get married Friday? I said, I'm all in. I said, let me find a pastor that will marry us. And I didn't know a pastor that would marry us. I, so I called the pastor that knew me as a teenager. She said, no, I'm not marrying you. <laughs> he said, you're not ready for that. And so I got so I talking to a friend at work, and I said, man, I need a pastor to marry me on Friday. And he said, hey, my brother will marry you. He's a pastor down to Elkton. Elkton. Anybody know where Elkton's at? Elkton, Virginia. He pastors the Elkton Free Will Baptist Church, and he will marry you. I called him up. He said, sure, I'll marry you. So Friday we loaded up the car, went down and got married. And we got married, and I'll tell you, that fun-loving couple that got married, about a week later, Gabe was laying across the bed, both fists on the bed, said, what in the world have I done? Because we weren't prepared for marriage by no amount. I mean, and so from there on, it became a huge struggle. And so, you see, this whole dating thing uh, that we know today has really only been around less than 100 years. In fact, you cannot find the word uh, dating in the Bible. There's nowhere about, there's no, I can't go to a store and read about dating, and you can't find anything in the Bible that resembles today's system of dating. You know, things really began to change radically with the invention of the automobile. Before the automobile, you couldn't find, uh, you couldn't meet someone that lived, say, like in Stafford, and you couldn't meet someone that lived in Spotsylvania County unless you were willing to walk or ride a horse uh, to go see them. They didn't have car dates. And instead, you had this 16-year-old daughter, and she would be saying, please, Dad, please, Dad, it's just not fair. Why won't you let me go out with all my friends? Because after all, all of my friends are horse dating. <laughs> Why can't I go? It's just not fair. You know, it's obviously diff very different today. But today what happens, though, is we send our 16-year-old girl, our little 16-year-old girl, out in a car with a 17-year-old guy who we don't know. I mean, we've really never taken the time to speak into their life. We've never taken the time to, uh, to, to let you let them know what's going to happen if you mess with my daughter. You know? I mean, we, we've never spoke into that relationship. I remember Jody brought the first guy she brought to her house. I just happened to take my 12-gauge shotgun down to the basement, talked to it a couple times, sat in the corner and said, how y'all doing today? He didn't stay around long. But anyway, I should have done that more often. But anyway, what, what I'm saying is that we send our 16-year-old daughter out in the car with a 17-year-old guy that we don't know without any accountability, with no supervision, without us speaking into the relationship. You see, it's not uncommon today to have kids dating for months before their parents even know. I mean, I, I know that because I listen to kids. I've got kids in a small group, and some of you got your kids are dating, and you don't even know they're dating. If you want to know who they are, let me know, and I'll let you know. 
Everything has a price. I'm just kidding. I really don't know. But, you know, under today's system, what do we have? We have rampant premarital sex. We have date rapes. We have, uh, on our search for the right one, people go through multiple partners doing married things. Even though they're not married, couples are living together without any sort of commitment. Yeah, I know he says, and she says, I'm committed to you, sort of. But really, they're not really committed. They can leave any day they want. So as a result, we have unwanted pregnancies uh, leading to abortions. Uh, we have sexually transmitted diseases. And folks, we have divorce is, divorce is more than you could even imagine. I mean, biblically speaking, folks, we cannot deny that what we're seeing today is not even close. It's not even close to God's principles. I mean, it's so far away, it's not even funny. But put the Bible aside. You say, well, I don't believe all that Bible stuff. I don't live by the Bible. I, you know, I'm only here at church because I told somebody I'd come. And, you know, and you don't even believe in God. But even that, you have to acknowledge that what we have going on today in relationships and marriage is not working. It is not working. I mean, so we have, we have a choice. So we can do it the way everybody else is doing it. We can do the way we watch on television. We can do it the way that everybody else, all of our friends are doing it. Or, 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 and we can say this is just the way it is. But here's what I know. If you travel the same road as everyone else is traveling, you're going to end up at the same destination. Or we could do it God's way. We could do it God's way. So it could be that if we, choose, if we would choose to do it God's way, that he has something higher and better for his people. I mean, God has to, he has to honor what his word says. Did you know that, that for the first time in our nation's history, there's, little, there's more unmarried than, than married adults? And people are waiting longer than ever to marry. Women in their late, mid to late 20s, on an average, and men close to the 30. You know, it's been a long time since I've been in this, the, the dating scene. And when I agreed to do this message, I thought, what in the world do I have to say? But here's what I know. If I, if I don't know anything else, here's what I know. There's a whole lot of messed up dating going on. I mean, there's a whole lot of messed up dating going on. And some of your kids might be investing in some messed up dating. I don't know. But there's a whole lot of messed up dating going on in our world today. And you say, well, how do you know? Because I deal with, I deal almost every day of my life, I deal with messed up marriages. I deal with messed up marriages. I mean, people coming to me saying, I thought I married the right one. But after we got married, I mean, I did this, this person is so different. And I, so I know that there's messed up dating going on because there's so many messed up marriages. Remember this, to be really fulfilled in marriage, you have to find the right one and you have to, and you find the right one before you go on your first date. You say, wow, how does that happen? I can't try it out. No, to be really fulfilled in marriage, you have to find the right one before you go, you start dating. Why is that? Because every person you date is a potential spouse. It might be a person that you end up marrying. You know, you, I, I was, did premarital counseling with a couple yesterday. I said, when did y'all meet? So said, we've been dating since sophomore in high school. Who would have thought when they met as a sophomore in high school that they'd be sitting in my office doing premarital counseling This couple's going to get married? You never know that person you're going to date could end up being the person you married. That's why you have to, you have to know and you have to decide that that person is the right one before you ever go out on the first date with that guy. You know, and, and when I talk about, you know, that, it, it, that if we want a different outcome for marriage, then we have to see, we have to see, then what we see happening in marriage today, you know, if you want something different from your marriage than you saw in your parents' uh, marriage or you see today in marriages, then we have to do something different than what we see others do. If we keep doing the same silly things that we're doing in marriage and we keep doing the same things over expecting something to different to happen, that is just insanity. And if we don't start doing something different in the church, especially in the church, in this whole dating and marriage thing, there is absolutely nothing is going to change in our world. You know, and I'm not talking about marriages in the world either. 
folks. I'm talking about marriages in the church. We are doing a horrible job at marriage in the church. Divorce rate in the church is just as high as it is in the world. And there's something wrong with that. When you and I are born-again believers, we have Jesus Christ living in our hearts. We have the Bible as our roadmap, as our guidebook. We have as our marriage manual. And we're messing up marriage just as bad as anybody else is messing up marriage. And if we keep doing the same old thing, the same old way, we're going to keep ending up with messed up marriages. We got to do something different. So let's talk a moment about the spiritual side of relationships. In Matthew 22, 37 through 39, a Pharisee, a Pharisee, a religious leader of the law, was trying to trap Jesus. And so one day, I think he asked him a very confrontational question. He said to Jesus, of all the commandments, what is the most important? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, you know why so many marriages are screwed up today? Because most of us have never learned to love ourselves. We've never learned to appreciate who we are. The Bible says the first and the greatest commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart. The second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. And we've got it all messed up because we've never learned to love ourselves. And therefore, it is impossible to love others. If we don't know how to love ourselves, how in the world will we ever learn to love someone else in our lives? So many people haven't experienced the unconditional grace of God in those deep places of hurt, which in turn keeps us from appreciating how God made us. And so when we start dating others, rather than giving them and showing them the love of God, we want something back from them to make us feel loved and appreciated. In other words, what I'm saying is we come as Christians and we say, Lord, forgive us of our sins. And he forgives us of our sin. And we go on living and we go on sinning. We go on living. We go on sinning. And we never deal with the hurt in our life. And therefore, we've never learned to love and appreciate the person that we are. And so we marry this other person and we say, we're going to marry them because they're going to make me feel better about me. And they're going to do something for me. They're going to do something for me. They're going to make me whole, and they're going to love me, and they're going to show me I am somebody. And we've never allowed, we've never dug into those deep places of hurt and said to God, God, I need you to heal that hurt. God, I need the blood of Jesus Christ applied to the hurt and the pain and the wounds in my life. Yes, God, you've forgiven me my sins, but I've never exposed those things in my life that I'm ashamed of that's causing me to live in shame and guilt. And therefore, when I get married, I take all that shame and guilt. I take it in that marriage. I dump it on my spouse. I dump it on my kids because I've never dealt with the hurt and pain that's deep within me. I've never allowed Jesus Christ. See, Jesus didn't just come to forgive us of our sins, but he came to forgive us and take away the shame and guilt. And we have to open our lives up so that we can appreciate who we are in Christ. It has taken me forever, forever to love and appreciate the person I am in Christ. It's just been the last few years. So therefore, we're looking for something from another person and we're not bringing them God's best. How do I know? Because that's exactly what I expected from Gay. I saw this beautiful girl ride down the road. She's still as beautiful today as ever. She's riding down the road, and I'm hooting and hollering. Woo! And I'm thinking, man, I found out she went to Eastern Mennonite College. She went to this college, went to that college, got this degree, and she got that degree, and she is good looking. And I thought to myself, boy, you marry her, you're going to be somebody. You see, because I, I felt like I was a nobody. I felt like nobody could love me. If Gay would love me, this beautiful girl with this college education, come from a Christian background, if she could love me, then, man, I must be somebody. And I put incredible, incredible, incredible pressure on Gay to make me feel loved and wanted. It about destroyed her. Because a person cannot do that for us. Only God can do that for us. You see, wouldn't it be cool if one time a godly man, a godly single man, is there any godly single men out there? You know, wouldn't it be cool if one time a godly single man meets a godly single woman and that godly single man comes running into small group, he comes running into ministry, and he comes running in and he says, hey guys, you're not going to believe this, my goodness, 
I met this girl. She's incredible. And she's incredible because she loves Jesus. Now, that would be a miracle. If some guy did that, after I passed down on the floor and got back up, I'd hug that dude. <laughs> you know, mostly here's what I hear about, hear from guys. Because I am a guy. And what I hear from God, oh my gosh, I met this hot chick down at the bar. I mean, that girl was looking good. She was hot. I mean, and she smelled so good. But wouldn't it be cool if we could raise up a whole generation of godly men who would say, man, I was down at the movies and I met this godly woman and I'm going to marry her because she loves Jesus. I mean, she's good looking and she smells good too, but more importantly, she loves Jesus. Man, you know, men, we've made objects out of women. We've just made objects out of Man, she's hot, she's foxy, she's, I've done it. But wouldn't it feel cool, girls, if some godly guy fell in love with you and they fell in love with you not because you could do what you could do for them or how good you looked or how good you dressed or how good you smelled, but they loved you because how much you love Jesus. Whew, somebody ought to get excited about that. You know, I'm fired up. You know, not only Joe gets fired up, he gets fired up about money. Yeah. <laughs> I get fired up about trying to help people. Not fall into the trap I've fallen into, that I fell into. My life was miserable, and I made everybody around me miserable. So wouldn't it just be cool if some dude came around here and said, Oh, I found the perfect one. I found the right one because she loves Jesus. She loves Jesus. Now, to be really fulfilled in marriage, you have to find the right one. And if you don't marry the right one, you have to stay committed to the one you're with until she is the right one. So, so if you're not married and you want to be, and you happen to meet somebody special, I want to help you to find, I want to find for you six simple commitments. Simple for me because I'm married. But six simple commitments that you have to make before you go on your next date or before you start dating. Parents, before you let your kids go to dating, because they're going to go dating, and the shotgun's not going to always work, before they go dating, you got to help them make these six simple commitments. You can't make it for them. And if you're dating and you want to date, you have to think about this. I wish I would have been in a church. I wish that I would have been in church that taught me this stuff. That taught me how to be a godly man. I wish that I lived in a church that taught me how to find a godly woman. And how to be a godly father. You know, I was in a church that every time I go to church, they go tell me I'm going to hell. I knew that. I didn't have to go to church for somebody to tell me I'm going to hell. Everybody at my workplace would tell me to go to hell, you know? <laughs> Go to church. They tell me go to hell. I go, okay, go to hell. <laughs> but they anyway. So I want to give you those six things. Six things you will have to decide that you will not do if you want to find the right one before you go on that first date. The first one is this. I will not date an unbeliever. Very simple. I won't go out with you if you're not a Christian. I will not go out with you if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. The Bible says tells us not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have it with darkness? Now, the word yoke means this. It means to be bound together in a commitment to one another. Talking about animals. When two animals are yoked together, if one animal goes left, which way is the other animal going to go? Left. If the other one goes right, go right. Because they're yoked together. They're equally yoked together. And it's critical that you date people that are going in the same direction that you're going in. I mean, if you've determined that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that you want to live a godly life, then you've got to be yoked with somebody that has determined that they're going to live a godly life. Because if not, what's going to happen is you're going to go left and they're going to go right. They're going to go right, they're going to go left. They're going to be constantly that pulling. And when a yoke is not fit right or when a yoke goes in a different direction, it rubs sores on the animal's back and they get grouchy. And the same thing happens with your husband or your wife when you're going in two different directions. Somebody gets sore. And it gets complicated. And that's why the Bible teaches us clearly. It's talking about business too. It's talking about don't, be un, don't go into business with somebody that's an unbeliever. Don't yoke yourself together with an unbeliever, but get together with believers. Because the Bible says, what fellowship can light have with darkness? So, secondly, I will not marry out of desperation. I've seen so many people. I mean, honestly, I, I've been doing this for, I've been doing this for 27 years. And I've seen it all, heard it all. Nothing surprises me. People say, you're going to be shocked when you hear this. 
I'm not. Believe me. I've seen so many people who are worried over their ticking biological clock. They said, oh, I'm getting old, and if I, don't, if I don't soon get married, I'll never get married. My dream, oh, I grew up just wanting to get married, and here I am, I'm 28 years old, and I'm not married, and my biological clock is ticking, and so in desperation, what do they do? Get married. Especially women. I don't like to say that. I don't like to say men and women, you know, separate, but I've seen so many women say, well, look at my body. I'm getting old. Nobody don't want me. Look at this body. Somebody wants it. My wife, thank God. I also think we tend to believe that marriage will solve all of our problems and we'll have contentment. And, and, and out of desperation, you know, I, I'm desperate, man. I, I, I just need to get this problem fixed. I mean, Gay called me up on Monday to get married on Friday. You know why? Because she wanted to fix the way we were living. She wanted to fix the way she was living. She married me to get fixed. Well, that's why she said she didn't want to live this life anymore. So she thought if I get married, I won't be living this life anymore. I'll now be married. So everything I do will be okay. <laughs> I can't believe I married this girl. <laughs> <laughs> so we think that it'll solve all of our problems and, and we'll be content. And we get married now. Here's what I know for sure. Take this to the bank. Please hear this. Marriage will not simplify your life. It will not make your life simple. Anybody agree with that? Yeah, I thought so. I thought, not. you're a lying bunch. It will complicate life. Marriage will complicate life. Even, in, even in, I'm not talking only in a negative way, but marriage will not simplify your life. It will, not, it will complicate your life. Marriage is not always the dream that people think it will be either. Now think about this, okay? Just think with me for a minute. You're a self-centered sinner. We're all sinners. You marry a beautiful, self-centered sinner. And you have wonderful, wonderful, self-centered kids. And, and, and you end up in your home with a huge pile of self-centered sin. I mean, it's complicated. And so you don't marry out of desperation. Next, if you want to find the right person, you must be willing to commit that you will not be a savior. You'll not be a savior. How many times? Have I had somebody come to me and say, he wasn't a Christian when I married him, but I thought that I could pray for him, and I thought if I went to church that they'd get saved. How many times? I thought they would, be, I thought they would just be godly people. Well, let me tell you, they weren't godly people when you married them. They didn't go to church, and when you get married, they're not going to go, oh, oh, I want to go to church with you. I got people that are 30 years later saying, he won't go to church with me. Then you shouldn't have married him to begin with. Because it's very seldom, very seldom that it happens. Thank God it happened in my life. But I'll tell you, it happened now so much dysfunction. Gay said one day, we're partying along. Got this little baby girl, beautiful. She says, we're going to church. And she said, you can go with us or you don't have to go with us. And I said, well, I'm going with you because one of them Christian boys will hit on you. And so I'm going to church with you. That's the only reason I went. Honest to God, I had no desire to go to church. I thought, oh, my gosh, I'll miss the Redskin games. <laughs> I mean, I thought, oh, go listen. I tell me, somebody going to tell me I'm going to hell again. <laughs> I go to church first Sunday. Man, the Holy Spirit convicted me. The pastor said, everybody here that's sinners, I don't know what he said anymore, but he said, I'm going to open the altar today, and y'all can just come right on up here and pray and accept the Lord. We had to do manly stuff when I got saved. We couldn't raise our hand. We had to come up front. I said, I ain't going up front. I said, I'm not going, I'm holding on to the back of the pew. I'm not going up front. And I didn't either, boy. I stuck to my word. I left church. I left church that Sunday. Man, I was one miserable guy. I said, Lord. Please, let me live long enough. Lord, let me live long enough that when I get back to church that Sunday, I can go to the altar. I got to tell you, I don't know what the pastor preached on. I don't know anything about what the pastor said, but I was the first one at that altar. That's a miracle. That don't always happen. And God has used my life. But I'm telling you, you know, we marry these people. We say, oh, they just drink a little bit. They'll be all right. Before you know it, here they come. 
And they say, well, my husband just drinks all the time. Did he drink before you got married? Yep. He still drinks, right? What changed? Why wouldn't he? Oh, she's just got a little shopping problem, a little gambling problem. No big deal. I can fix that. After you're broke and spend all your money. I can't believe my wife. I thought I could change her. I thought it would be different after we get married. The biggest mistake that you can make is get married and think you're going to change them. Or that they're going to change. They are who they are. And when you marry them, you, I, people say to me, well, you know, he does. And I say, you're still going to choose to marry him, right? You chose to marry him, live with it. Because you made that decision. You know, Gabe made a decision to marry me. And she lived with it. I made a decision to marry her. I'm living with it. And I thought Gabe would, I thought Gabe would save me, really. You know, many people make the mistake of placing pressure on their spouse to heal their brokenness or to meet their every need. But all a spouse can do is love that person as Christ loved that church. Stop nagging them and point them to the person that is the great physician and that is God. You cannot save or heal a person's brokenness. You are not the Savior Jesus is. And if Jesus is not number one in the person's life that you marry, they will put divine pressure on you as a human being to be God. And I can tell you, God is the only one that can meet our deepest need. He is the only one. If you're looking for another person to do that, you're on a dead-end street. Next, I must decide that I will not sacrifice my relationship with God ever. I will not sacrifice my relationship with God ever. That means never will I sacrifice my relationship to be with someone, my relationship with God. You, you must, you, see, you must never allow anyone to pull you away from God. If they try, you need to stop dating them. Really, if you're dating someone and, and you're wanting to live a godly life and they're trying to pull you in a different direction, I'm going to tell you, you're going to live pulled in a different direction your whole life. And, it, and if they're not pulling you toward God, they're going to pull you away from God. And if you're dating someone that's going to pull you away from God, you need to go home and you need to call them up ring, 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 and say, hey, Joey, hey, sweetie, whatever you call them. We're breaking up today because Gay told me to. <laughs> She's not here. <laughs> no, really. You see, a person will either draw you closer to God or they'll draw you away from God. Only date someone who will bring you closer to God. Another commitment you need to make is to, fi to find the right person is, that, is that to say, I will not compromise God's standards. I will not compromise God's standards. Now, I don't care if everybody else in the whole world is having sex before marriage, before they're married. God has a higher standard. You see, you can, you know, you can call me out of touch. You can call me old-fashioned. You can call me mean. You can call me judgmental. You know, you can call me the devil, you know, but, but I really don't care. You know, I used to care. Man, I used to get all upset when people say, oh, you, I'm so mad at you, and I get all, oh, they're mad at me. And I used, to, I used to say, oh, i got to do something. I can't say something to make people mad. I don't care anymore. I'm 59 years old. You're mad at me, you're mad at me. And we got, you got to get over it. you got to love me, get to heaven. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> but I tell you what, I'm called, Gay and I are called as your pastors to tell you the truth. And this is the truth, the best I know how to say it, from the Word of God. So don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. People say, buddy, that's not, that stuff's old-fashioned. Well, it's not old-fashioned when it comes to our salvation, but it's old-fashioned when it comes to having sex after, before marriage, right? I mean, people tell me they're Christians, but it's old-fashioned to not have sex before you get married. Well, then, if it's out of date for sex, it's out of date for salvation. So, God's standard for believers is spiritual and sexual purity. You know, we, we cannot allow our love for our selfish sexual desires, we cannot allow that love for those sexual desires more than we love God and His standards. You see, we've got to love God's standards more than we love the person we're dating. We must commit to obeying God's standards rather than our selfish fleshly desires. You see, the Bible states five times directly, five times directly, the Bible says, and 23 times indirectly, not to have sex before marriage. You know the funniest thing to me? People say, they're living together, having sex, they're doing all that stuff. And they'll say, I just want God to bless our relationship. 
Now, how in the fire can God bless a relationship when you're living and having sex together and the Bible says not to do that and you're saying, God bless us. He's not going to bless you. It's impossible for God to bless us when we're living in sin day in and day out. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I've saved, prayed that prayer. God bless me. And God's saying, how can I bless you, buddy? And you got this thing going on in your life and you refuse to deal with that. God will not bless a sinful life. He cannot bless a relationship that's not grounded and not grounded on the principles of his word. If you want God to bless your relationship, you move out of that house, you quit having sex, and you get married. That's old-fashioned, isn't it? Get married. I'm going straight home when I leave here. <laughs> I'm not going to be a guest central today. <laughs> but the Bible says five times directly and three, 23 times indirectly not to have sex for a marriage. So if you're not married, don't go any further than cuddling. I had a guy last night say, that's easy for you to say, you can go home and do what you want. <laughs> but I'm saying to you, make a standard. We're not, on this date, all we're going to do is cuddle. And if you can't just cuddle, then don't cuddle. You know, if cuddle takes you somewhere else. I used to tell our teens, I used to say, you know what? If you get in the back seat with a guy, you better decide that you're not going to have sex before you get in the back seat of a guy, with a guy. Because once you get in the back seat of a guy, some other things are thinking rather than your brain. And so if you're going to decide that you're not going to have sex in, in a dating relationship, you got to decide before you get in a dating relationship, the fellas I'm going is cuddling. I used to say to our teenagers, no skin. No skin. Because, man, there's nothing like touching skin. So don't touch skin. You know, I used to tell teenage girls when they got desperate, I'd say to them, hey, put a Bible between your legs and tell that boy, dare you to move that Bible. You know, or put a quarter between your legs and every time he tries, you get that quarter and tell him to call your pastor and see if it's okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, you got to decide. Guys, we got to stop this sex stuff. I mean, really, I don't, I don't, I don't mean that mean. I just mean that. It's killing, our, it's killing our kids. It's killing our society. It's killing marriages. So if you're dating someone that wants to do more than cuddling, it might be the wrong thing. You know, sex is a beautiful thing. When it's used in the context that God has given us. And God has given us the context of marriage. And so people say, oh, God must be a killjoy. No, God knows. God knows best. He knows that sex outside of marriage, especially with young people, it's, there is something I could always tell as a youth pastor when a couple that was together were having sex. They couldn't fool me. And, and there was just something about the innocence. There was just something that emotionally we can't handle having sex outside of marriage because there's something about sex that is only can happen emotionally inside of marriage in a healthy, mature way, and God knew that. God doesn't just say not have sex because he doesn't want us to have fun. God knew we couldn't handle it and that it was a beautiful thing inside of marriage. And so I, I just think, man, let's just start a sexual revolution and do things backwards from when we started it in the 60s. The final thing is this. I will not play house. I will not play house. You see, even though everybody else sleeps in the same bed and spends the night together and has sleepovers and lives together trying things out like it's a used car, you know, if you want to have a godly commitment, here, if you want to have a godly commitment with the right one, wait until, girls, wait until you get that ring on your finger, wait until... Guys, until you walk down the aisle and daddy says, I give you, to, I give her mother and I give you to her. And you've made a commitment to God. That's when you play house. That's when you move in together. There's certain things you, that you just God wants to protect us from. You know, there are certain things you cannot do to keep a person. Pastor Ed Young, who's awesome when it comes to this whole thing of sex and marriage. He said, the reason adultery is so prevalent in marriage is because people have been so unfaithful prior to marriage. He said, you're unfaithful to God's directive. You flip, God, you, flip, you flip God's directives off. You shake your puny fist in his face. You hop in the sock with people and you want a different result. And he says, you better take a different approach. 
You see, well, let me ask you something. If a, if a person will live with you and have sex with you before they're married, what's going to keep them from doing that after they're married? If they're not committed enough to you to say, I honor you and I honor your life and I'm not going to have sex with you, I'm not going to live with you, what, what, what will change when they get married that will keep them from straying outside of marriage to be unfaithful to you? If they're unfaithful before they're married, he's saying there's a good chance they're going to be unfaithful after they're married. you got to love me to get to heaven. I'm your friend. You see, we need to practice God's standards. So after all this, if a person that you want to date says, hey, I'm with you. I agree. I agree with your commitments, and I want to make those commitments, then the chances are you've found a keeper. Chances are you've found the right one. You see, in closing, I, I just want to share a couple things with you that Gay and I, you know, we always talk about vision. We have the vision to reach every person in this community. I know you might think we're dreamers, but we still do. You know, there's so many empty chairs that say, buddy, you got you're just dreaming. Well, it might be, but that's what God's called us to do. God's called us to disciple you help you grow and become fully devoted followers of Christ. That's our vision. You know, but beyond that, you know, really, we have a vision for you as people. I mean, we have a vision, as we talked about last week, that you'd be financially free, fully funded, and you wouldn't live in bondage to money. But it's more than that. I mean, we would love if every single adult, think about this with me, if every single adult who attended Salem Fields Community Church were known for integrity, respect, and godliness in their search for God's best in a partner. That we would be different from the rest of the world. You know, Gay has, Gay has led the way in the area of our marriage. I mean, she has determined. And I resisted it for the longest time. But she was determined that we were going to have a godly marriage. And, and, and that divorce, that, and divorce was totally off the table for both of us. You know, and, and you know, we've determined to speak biblical truth into your life. I mean, when it comes to dating and marriage and any other thing, even if it makes you uncomfortable. You know, I, I was thinking, I, I said someone recently that just got so angry because gay spoke truth in their life. Spoke truth in their life. I mean, biblical truth in their life. They got so angry. And I, and I was thinking to myself, do you want pastors that will sugarcoat it or do you want pastors that will speak the truth? You know, I think you deserve pastors that will speak the truth. Because you're not going to find the truth on the news media. Your kids are not going to find truth at school. You're not going to find it in the movie house, the movie theater. And if we don't speak the truth to you, then we've done you a great disservice as pastors of this church, Gay and I and all of our staff. And so we're determined. You know, it's our desired hope and passion that when you get married, that you, would, that you would build your marriage on the foundation of Jesus Christ. You know, when I do weddings, the verse that I use more than any other verse is that Christ said, build your house on the solid rock. Why? Because he who builds his house on the sand, when trouble comes and the storms come in life, and trouble comes in marriage and storms come, when those storms come in marriage, at least your house will be on the solid rock and it can withstand the storm. But if you build it on the values of the world, when the storm comes, it's like building on the sinking sand. And when the storm comes, it wipes you out and all your kids and your family. You know... Gay and I have nothing in common, honestly, but the color of our skin. And one other thing, we both love Jesus. And you know, when trouble comes, you say, we don't have anything in common. If you're both believers, you got something in common. you got Jesus Christ. And when you have him, you have everything you need to survive in your marriage and in your life. Our hope and prayer for Salem Fields is that marriages and family values will be noticeably different than the values of the world. And so, as we, as we end today, you know, I, it's just, I just pray that God will just bless you, that morally we would all have a different standard. You know, that, that you would not tolerate any kind of lustful thoughts in your life. And guys and girls too, I mean, we've got to get this pornography thing out of our life. 
Got to get it out of our life. It's killing us. You know, got to say, I've never committed adultery on my wife. I say, you ever watch pornography? Yeah, I watch pornography. You've committed adultery. Jesus says, to have lust in your mind is to sin against, it's a sin. And so therefore, you've committed adultery against your wife. Your poor wife is devastated. And you're wondering why. Well, I didn't cheat on you. Come on. takes hard work. You know, I tell you, I'm so thankful for Gay. Gay has a passion and a burden that our that, that marriage is our marriage, that your marriage would be holy, pure, full of passion and intimacy in a godly way shared between two people. You know, I so appreciate that when Gay had every reason to leave me, every reason, she made a commitment till death do us part and she stayed with me. And you know what? She didn't stay with me for Jody and the grandkids. She stayed with me to bring glory to God. If she'd left, there'd be no church here. So our desire for your marriage is that you would be, not just stay together for the sake of kids, but you would, that your marriage would glorify God together. Here's what I know. For it to happen, it's going to take hard work. You see, marriage is not for wimps. Matter of fact, Gay and I are going this week. I don't know if she said it or not. We're going to a marriage retreat for pastors this week. After 38 years of marriage, we're still working really, really hard on our marriage. And this week we're going and we're both saying, why do we do this to ourselves? But it was my idea. Now I think it's a bad idea. But I think it's going to be good. I think a lot's going to happen. And we're still working. You know why? Because we want you to look at our marriage and say, that's a godly marriage that glorifies God. We also have a desire that your children would be raised differently. That's why Mark and his volunteers and children's ministry have a passion to partner with you to help you raise up a, a generation of godly children. Wouldn't it be cool if your children were radically different than, 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 than other children and they would say, you know what, I am not going to have sex until I get married, that I am going to live by God's standards and I'm going to do what God says because this is what the Bible says and that's what we want your children to learn, that we want to raise up a generation of godly boys and girls that will be godly men and women and there might be a godly man in our children's department today that might just come running to you and say, I met, a, I met the perfect one and she loves Jesus. Boy, that'd be a parent's dream, wouldn't it? At least it would be for me. Wouldn't it be cool if people would say to you, what do you have that I don't have? What is it about the two of you? And you could say to them, I found the right one. She's number two, and he's number two. Jesus is number one. Somebody had a shirt on today, stinking Steeler fan. I hate to give Steelers any credit. Said God first, family second, Steelers third. The dude's warped, but he's got that right. <laughs> yeah, two out of three is not bad, is it? So, anyway, I'm done. Father, thank you, Lord, for our time together today. Thank you for this group that have tolerated me today. And Lord, I just pray that everything I said, Lord, that it would go away if it's not from you. I pray, Lord, that only what you want said or what you want heard today will stick. Lord, there may even been things said today that I didn't say. And so I pray, Lord, for every person that's in this room, every person that's listening online, every person that's sitting in the cafe. God, I just ask you right now in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would fall fresh and you upon this place. I ask your God that you would heal broken marriages. God, I, heal, I pray that you would heal broken lives. Lord, I just pray that you would be God and that you would be, Lord, that you would be number one in the lives of husbands and fathers and wives and moms, that you would be number one today. God, I pray that if anyone here setting guilt, feeling guilty because they've got a divorce or they've gone outside of marriage or they're living together or they're doing whatever, God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that they would not leave feeling guilty, but Lord, they would be, they would leave saying, you know, with God, all things are possible and I can do this. 
And Lord, that you are a God that forgives us when we mess up. Thank God. When we screw up, Lord, your grace is sufficient to meet every need that we have. And so I thank you for that, Lord. I pray for every single person that's here today, that's dating or looking for a date. Lord, I just pray that, God, they will begin to do it your way and make determination to be committed to living a godly life and having a godly relationship. Lord, I pray that there's any teenagers listening today. I pray that, God, that they would make determination that they're not going to be like everyone else, but they're going to live godly lives. And, Lord, they're going to live spiritually pure and sexually pure lives. Lord, I just pray for our children in our children's apartment right now, God, that they would see something different in their parents than they see on TV or here at school. And God, they would determine right now at an early age that they're going to live a godly life and they're going to be a godly husband and a godly mother. God, I pray for a great and mighty Holy Spirit would fall upon us. And right even today, Lord, that you would start a revival, even in this place, on that screen that's watching, in that cafe, God, that, Lord, that you said that if your people who are called by your name would humble themselves and confess their sins, you would hear from heaven and you would heal our land, you would heal our homes, you would heal our lives, and you would heal our children. So, God, help us today. Lord, help us. Lord, I pray for that person that might be here today that doesn't know Jesus. God, I pray in the name of Jesus for that one person today. You see, you realize, folks, today you can't have a godly marriage until you have God and you know God personally. And God lives in your heart. And God can live in your heart when you're willing to confess your sins. So if you're willing to say this prayer with me, pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross so that I could be forgiven of my sins. Lord, I confess my sins to you today. Oh, God, I confess my sins to you today. Lord, I invite you into my life to be my Savior. If you're praying that prayer today and you've prayed that prayer, will you just thank Jesus? Say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. If you prayed that prayer today, I invite you to see me after church. Because I really like to talk to you because, you know, it's more than a prayer. You've got to know a little more than just say a prayer. I want to help you understand what God has just done in your life today and why it was necessary. So if you'd meet me at Guest Central, that'd be awesome. I only had two young teenage girls meet me last night. A lot of people, I had people raise their hand, they raised their hand. But, you know, but if you're really serious about this relationship and I really want to help you, if you'll just step into Guest Central, I'll meet you there. Father, thank you for what you've done today. I'm tired, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that something would change in this church that would make a difference in our world. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. If you are a new Christian and would like to know what to do next or where to go from here, you will want to get a free Next Step packet that contains reading materials and useful resources that will point you in the right direction. For more information, please contact Salem Fields Community Church at 540-786-6212 or visit our website at salemfields.com or email us at podcast at salemfields.com.